0: This is the Ariel Lawrence this Show. This is the Ariel Lawrence this Show. Is the Lawrence show. It's all about entrepreneurship. I mean, we have to be real about what the journey is
1: really like. This is the Ariel Lawrence, Lawrence Show.
0: This is the Aria Lawrence Show. This is the show for the entrepreneur who is ready
1: to make it. This is the Ariel Lawrence Show.
0: This is the Ariel Lawrence, Lawrence Show. So today I have the privilege of having an esteemed colleague on the show. I met Lauren Marie Fleming in 2012 when we were both speaking on an erotica panel at the BlogHer conference. At the time, Lauren was still writing her popular sex blog, Query Bradshaw, and I was in the early stages of building my erotic magazine corset. Needless to say, we had some great conversations on the panel, kept up with each other via social media. And then in the last year or so, I noticed that Lauren made a brand shift. She stopped running Query Bradshaw and started a new movement called Body Love, and that's spelled B-A-W-D-Y, which I love and body love is all about pushing people to really banish shame from their lives silence their inner critics and recreate positive body images of themselves. Lauren, I'm so excited to dive into your latest work. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, I'm really glad to reconnect with you and talk again. Like you said, we've uh, been following each other on social media, but it feels really good to just be able to have a really good conversation with you and I'm I love the branding that you're doing and I love this show. I've been listening to it as a podcast, so I'm honored to be on.
0: Thank you so much. And so first, I definitely want to take a step back because like you said, you know, we haven't, you know, spoken in a while or definitely seen each other. So tell me kind of what's been going on, you know, what inspired you to stop running, you know, your extremely popular blog, you know, Query Bradshaw, and then shift to creating the body love movement.
1: Well, so I think it's impossible to talk about my brand shift without talking about my life shift about right after. So I started Query Bradshaw while I was in law school, which was Kind of hilarious to be spending my weekends dancing burlesque, trying to get laid so I could write about it for my editor on Monday, um, and then spending my week hoping that the judges and attorneys that I was with didn't find out I spent my weekend dancing burlesque, trying to get laid and writing about it. Um, so I was in law school, and then my last year of law school, my brother got diagnosed with cancer. And I kept doing Corey Bradshaw, and Corey Bradshaw really started from this egocentric place of wanting to start a business around being a scandalous sex blogger. And so I I did everything wrong at first. I didn't know what I was doing. And then I did everything right, but it still didn't really click with who I was at my core. And I had found something that was close to what I wanted to make my business out of, but it wasn't really there. And I was having the success, but it didn't feel right. I'd go to conferences and everybody would swarm around me. And it felt like I was put on a pedestal. And I realized quickly how much I didn't want to be on a pedestal. I was fine with being on a stage. I liked being on a stage, but a pedestal felt really inexperienced accessible and I just felt like I was waiting to fall all the time so I had this persona I had created and this business I had created around the persona and it was going well and I was doing everything right and then my brother got cancer and then he eventually died, and I was there. He died in a really graphic, horrific way eventually from the cancer, and I was there when it happened, and I tried to save his life. And you can't really go through something like that without completely reexamining how you want to live your life. He was 25. I was. It was just before my 30th birthday, and I really had to take some time to think, what do I want to do with my life? And is sex what I want to talk about? Is sex what I want to be doing? And and the answer was yes, but I also want to do more. So I spent a lot of time just really rethinking who I wanted to be both as a person and as a brand when your brand is centered around yourself so much of of your personal changes have to be reflective in your brand. And so I realized that what I really wanted to do is take the guilty out of all kinds of pleasure. I really wanted people to not think of food as a guilty pleasure, to think of sex as a guilty pleasure, all these things. I wanted to help people make pleasure their life purpose. And so that's where the rebranding came in. And Body Love is my way of helping people audaciously, radically love their body and unapologetically love their life, really.
0: Yeah. You know what? Death is, you know, obviously really hard, you know, when it comes, you know, to family. I mean, it's hard in general, but I think when it hits, you know, extremely like close to home like that, it definitely does kind of inspire you to, you know, reevaluate your life and, you know, kind of the way that you're living. And so what a beautiful gift that your brother gave you, because I can definitely, you know, when I'm on your website or, you know, when I've been keeping up, you know, with, you know, your posts and, you know, things that you've been writing, I've really, you know, felt like you, you are showing up kind of as your full self now. Um, and it doesn't, you know, feel like, you know, body love to me doesn't feel like a persona at all. Um, and so I can definitely feel that that brand shift. And then I, I also want to just applaud you um, for, for really being brave because I know that there are many entrepreneurs who build something great and then feel beholden to it. You know, they feel guilty about leaving because they'll let their audiences down or all the work that they've already put into it. So I really applaud you for kind of letting go of query Bradshaw and transitioning into a different Thank but you. you know more expanded related movement. Um, so why don't you tell us more you know about body love, you know what is it? Um, and uh, yeah, what it is that you're you're doing now?
1: I want to take just one step back to what you were just saying about, I think that you're going to have a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening who may feel in the position I felt. I not only had QueryBradshaw.com, which to this day still gets like 5,000 unique visitors a day kind of thing. It's just, it's still without me writing on it for two years, gets tons of hits and has all this SEO. And when I was thinking about letting it go everybody kept saying, how can you let go SEO? I mean, my website is still one of the top sites that comes up when you search for sex blogs. How would you let that go? And then on top of that, I had built this press called Frisky Feminist Press that was doing really well and still gets a ton of downloads on the guides it did, which are all for free. And it had all these companies that wanted to work with it, all these people that wanted to write with it. I had the potential to do this, make this empire, and I had to let it all go. And, And I think that While it sounds so cliche, I just have to encourage people out there that if they are juggling these balls that don't feel like the right balls, let them all fall. The best thing that happened to me, it was absolutely the worst thing as well, but the best thing that happened to me was to have everything fall apart because then I could just let everything fall apart and I could decide what I wanted to build from there and so into your your question, what I built was this body love brand. And and the idea behind the brand is the overall brand is taking the guilty out of pleasure. So with Body Love, what I wanted to do and is create this community of support because I realized one day that for me, I needed a brand that could handle me taking days to weeks to even months off to grieve and mourn my brother. And November comes and it's the anniversary of his death and his birthday all in one. And it was a lot. And then I also lost my grandmother and my grandpa within a year of losing my brother. I was there to witness all of their deaths. And so I need that time to heal. So I first and foremost set my business up as something that could handle me having feelings, not only out as a brand, but also as, a business person. So my team knows we set everything up. So November can be a month off for us, for me, for everything we need to do. We, um, we include my grief in the conversations we have. So if it comes up, it's not such a shock to people. When I was talking as query Bradshaw and I would tell people, yeah, my brother died. They'd be like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. Tell me more about sex. And now when I can talk about my brother dying, it's a part of my brand. So taking these really heavy things that happened to me and showing both the light and the dark and building a brand from that has been really great. So the idea behind the Body Love Revolution is not that you're this single person who's trying to feel better about themselves. It's that you're part of a revolution of people who are trying to say, I am worthy of pleasure. And um, I deserve joy and happiness in life. I deserve to love my body. It doesn't matter what my size is. And I try to show people through the different media that I create, because one of the things I talk a lot about is how negative media influences can really, really negatively affect your life. And instead of trying to get rid of negative media, to instead incorporate a ton of positive media into your life. So I try to create positive media and share positive media. And one of the ways in which I do that is the Body Love Podcast. And one of the things I love about my podcast is that I bring on people from every shape and size and background because I want everyone to see that hating yourself is unfortunately a universal thing that everybody is taught to do. And I want to try to flip that switch. And have loving yourself be a universal thing that everybody tries to practice.
0: So, you know, when you talk about um, your openness, you know, and, and you being, you know, willing to discuss your grief and, you know, also just to even show up on on the site, you know, physically as yourself, loving your body. Um I think that that's definitely obviously very inspiring to people and allows people to be able to relate with you in a much deeper way. Um, And so can you actually tell us, you know, what kind of readers have you um, observed or, you know, listeners for your podcast have you observed that actually engage with, with Body Love? And, you know, who are you finding that is really most inspired by this work? Like, give us a profile.
1: My... The profile that I create as a business person has come from this mix of people. I I tend to to get people who are in their mid-20s to mid-40s in age range, and they tend to be women of all different shapes, sizes, and gender backgrounds. I, um, I also attract a few trans men and um, a lot of trans women as well. And I tend to have feminine people who, who understand the feminine experience, uh, in this world, unfortunately femininity is often degraded and put down more than masculinity. And a lot of what I come from is from a feminine aspect. And, and I try to tell people that, that, the fem- I talk about the feminine, you can have a feminine in a man, you can have a feminine in a woman, you can have a feminine in somebody in between. Um, but I really try to show that our feminine is something that we should embrace and and in all aspects of our life from business to to love to all the traditional, quote, feminine ideals. And so a lot of people who follow me are, are attracted to that femininity and are trying to embrace their femininity themselves and um but i've actually been really shocked so that's like my business profile if you're doing the ideal customer avatar as a business person but as a as a person who is getting the feedback from people i'm i'm really shocked at how universal this is i mean i always thought yeah okay hating your body and all the things i'm working through these are all universal yeah sure but everything from straight white men to trans women to People of color, it's just been an amazing experience to see how many people can relate to just this simple idea that I don't want to see my body as something wrong or nasty. Food is bad. Exercise is having to have it. I want to thrive instead of trying to be this like idea of healthy that everyone else is selling me. I want to thrive in my own way. How universal that is. So it's been really great. I have... I'm um, My book, Body Love, 10 Steps to Profoundly Loving Your Body, is coming out, and I first started with a program, and then I realized that that was really inaccessible. A lot of people don't have 10 weeks and uh, $1,000 to take this long program that took up all my time and their time as well, so I decided to turn that into a book, and so now my program is going to be in book form. It's this journal workbook that comes out December 1st, and I'm really excited about it. And part of what I did to make this program more accessible is I gave it to editors from different backgrounds and different styles of life, and um, they they universally found it impactful, and that was really... That was really a show of how important this work I'm doing is and how I'm on the right track. I keep getting all these signs, both spiritually and you know, financially and um, inter- inter- entrepreneurially, <laughs> um, that this is the right thing, that this is the thing that people want to be buying right now. And I know this show, I'm, I'm bringing it back a lot to entrepreneurial stuff, um, but this show is about you know, creating your own business. And I think that if people can really think about what they want to have in the world. So I created body love because this is something I needed to be out there. I needed this revolution. I needed to stop hating my body. I needed to put pictures of myself in a bikini on the internet and have people say, you look great. Instead of having people be like, you look like a sack of mayonnaise, which someone once told me when I put a picture of myself on the internet years ago. And so I needed this. And so I just trusted that other people needed it as well and so if you can create a product that somebody needs really needs in their life you're going to do really well and i found that with body love and it feels great it feels really great and um, it started first and foremost with me recognizing that when i talked about loving myself everybody wanted to have that conversation everybody wanted to have that conversation so if people are out there trying to figure out what their thing what need they could fill listen to conversations and see where people get really excited and that need in their life is.
0: Yeah, for sure. And You know, you talking about as well, you know, that personal connection to the work. I think that um, it makes us more powerful and I would even say probably more lucrative, I think, as entrepreneurs when we create, you know, businesses and products um, that speak to something that you know was first discovered by something that we needed, and so I think it really gives that personal connection to our customers as well, because we understand, at least at the base level, you know what it is that they're going through and what it is that they need, because it's something that we're dealing with as well. And so I think that's really cool um, and amazing that um, you took kind of your experiences with your body images and, and and what you needed, and you kind of formed a company that ended up speaking to so many people who. Have kind of been in you know similar spaces in terms of learning how to love and accept themselves um so that's yeah Thank that's you. that's totally awesome. and what I would also like to ask because you started to touch upon it um was kind of like how do you work with people so you you talked about kind of deciding to create the book so that it's more accessible to more people um is that the really you know the only way that you work with people or um do you also do kind of one on one coaching like tell us more
1: so So when I first, this is another example of doing all the right things, but it wasn't your thing. So it didn't work. I used to try to do just really push one-on-one coaching. And I found that that didn't work the best for me because I wanted to start with people at their one-on coaching ended up being like, you're at level 101. I wanted to start with them at like the 202 level. I wanted to start with them the next level. So my program I created because I wanted them to kind of have this baseline that they already knew before they came and worked with me. And I love working one-on-one with people, but I want to delve deeper. I don't want to spend the whole time having these kind of superficial conversations about, about, whatever I wanted to really delve deeper into it and so that's one of the reasons I created my program and I created my retreats so my retreats are a way you get you get coaching before during and after and that way I could really delve into okay before you get here what are your problems when you're here what's this bringing up and afterwards how did this all feel and I really love that kind of completion that you get plus the one-on-one time and that's where I'm the happiest when I can just sit down one-on-one face-to-face with somebody and be like tell me Tell me what we can help, how we can help you feel better. What are you, what's hurting you right now? And how can we work through that to make it so it's no longer hurting you? How can we see the light and the dark? How can we pull out where these negative influences are in your life and how you can replace them with positive ones? How can we make your life more full of pleasure and joy and how can we connect and heal while we're doing it? So I really love my retreats. I really love my one-on-one coaching. I'm also excited. I'm going to have a whole tattoo series. I have this idea that I want people to own the words that that they that they want people to call them that they want to call themselves. So they're going to be able to temporary tattoo all over their body these these positive words and these words that that they want to claim for themselves. Um, and I'm excited about having products. I really really shied away as a business person from products for a really long time because I thought. Oh, shipping them, dealing with them, creating them. I didn't really have faith that that could all happen. And once I realized that I don't have to do it, I can outsource it, I can hire someone to do it, I can create products and get help from artists that know what they're doing i'm I'm not a graphic designer but i have amazing graphic design team once i started trusting other people to live in their genius zone it allowed me to expand my genius zone and work within my genius zone and that that's been really great that's been one of the best things that's that's happened to me is just really trusting in my brand enough to pull other people in to help me
0: yeah that's a big lesson i think for entrepreneurs i think when you um even at the beginning, but I think especially when you get to kind of a certain level in business, there comes a point where you really have to sit down and realize that you cannot do everything yourself. And so it's like, what do I do exceptionally well? And then what can I outsource to people where they do something well that might not be my expertise? And so I'm in the same boat, you know, I'm totally, I have the vision for what I want my design to look like and my branding to look like, but I definitely can't execute it. (laughs) I'm not afraid to admit that. And so I think that's, you know, I love the idea of the, um the you know, the tattoos, I think, especially when it comes to your brand, you know, focusing on, you know, body empowerment, that's freaking amazing that people will be able to, you know, put all these empowering kind of words and symbols, I'm assuming, as well, you know, on, you know, on their bodies to really. I had not thought about symbols. It. Yeah, we could totally do symbols. Oh, yeah, you gotta do symbols.
1: Yeah, I'll do some symbols. That would be cool. I like it.
0: Yeah. So, so tell me more um, on the entrepreneurship side, you know, what have been some challenges that you faced in in building body love? Um, And specifically if you could tell me a money stories, because like I always say that newbie entrepreneurs look at some of the vets and think that we've always had these kind of pretty websites and, you know, amazing kind of growing businesses, but I feel like we've all experienced um, our money kind of shenanigans behind the scenes. So if you could just give us a story of something that you faced, as an entrepreneur that would
1: be really cool. It's interesting that you say that because when you're like what is the most challenge that you face I'm like money, it's always money. It's always I have I want to do a million tattoos, but tattoos creating them and having products costs money and you have to put money forward and money has been such a difficult thing for me. I I'm always tr- I tr- always try to be really honest with this and say that my business the whole rebranding that happened happened because I had three people die in my life and it gave me some finances. And so I try to be really honest with that because I think that I don't want to lie to people and say, oh, you know, I worked really hard. I inherited money when people died and that money went into my business. Um, But I also have to say that The times that I have worked the hardest in my business was when that money was gone. So yes, I did redesign my website with money that I got from my family dying and from inheritance that I got when that happened. But I also you know, when that money was gone, when the redesign was done, the redesign is not enough. The branding is not enough. You can throw all the money you want. In fact, I did. I threw um, the money that I got after my brother died into rebranding my website just to realize that I had done the wrong look. I was Pottery Barn when I'm not Pottery Barn. There was nothing really wrong with my look, but it felt like you were walking into a Pottery Barn store. I am not a Pottery Barn gal. I never have walked into a Pottery Barn store and felt at home. I'm more anthropology or even more than that, I'm a vintage plus size thrift store. And so I had to then, when I was broke and out of my money because I had spent it all to rebrand, I had to really actually do the work. And so I think that I went from having money to having none to really being completely broke. And I'm one of those people who put everything on. I got a second credit card and put everything on it and just put all my eggs in one basket. And I have to say that's kind of where I am right now. Um, I'm at a point where I am putting all of my money into this book and I'm going to just trust that this book is going to sell and that these products that we're creating around it are going to sell and I will get that money back. But I have to say, I'm at that point right now where I'm money feels really scary because i'm putting it all on the line and on my credit cards to do this program and to make this jump but i know that i've taken the right steps and i've done the right things so when i leap there's going to be something to catch me on the other side and i have to just trust in this product that i do and then i have to just remind myself that Worst comes to worst, I have been completely broken on food stamps before and I can do it again. And I that's when I get my most work done. So, hey. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I know I think that I think that we, we think of money as this thing that we need to make our businesses grow. But I often think about the way that that money has actually negatively impacted me in that I've thrown a lot of money at things and then they weren't the right things to throw money at. So so when you dream of having somebody hand you like I did, you know, 20 grand. Unfortunately, they had to die to get for me to get it, and that really sucked. It was horrible. But it also gave me the push I needed to put my money into my business. And I have to say, 20 grand was a lot of money to me at the time, but it goes really fast. And so you have to think, really think, okay, if I wanna if I was handed money right now, if I got a loan. Or if somebody just handed me money, what would I really do with it? And I didn't have that conversation before I had the money, so the money went really quickly. And so I, I would highly suggest to people who, um, who may be getting a loan, or maybe getting money, or maybe wanting money, or asking for money in their life, to really think about: okay, why do I want this money? What is this money going to go towards in my business, in my life? And if you have that conversation before it comes to you, like I know when this book sells, what I want to do next with the money that comes, instead of thinking I have to sell this book, I'm thinking if this book is a success, then I can do X, Y, and Z. Then I can start the scholarship fund. Then I can do all these other things that I want to do. Then I can speak in high schools and afford to do things for free. Then I can get that comfy writing couch I've really a writing chair that I've been eyeing at the store. When I think of it like that is what I'm gonna do to move my life and move the world forward when I get that money, I find myself less worried about spending the money that I need to spend to make the products that will get me that money.
0: Mm, thank you so much for your transparency. Um because I that's really refreshing to be honest. Um, you know, when it comes to kind of having conversations, you know, like I said with entrepreneurs. On the on the outside, it looks like you know beautiful website, amazing you know branding, you know uh, powerful company, and all those things you know are definitely true. But you know there are kind of like behind the scenes workings of you know some people do have you know investments or inheritance um, to help build their businesses. And I think also you kind of speaking to just because you have a bunch of money as well, you know doesn't mean that that's necessarily the solution. And so knowing how to actually spend that money, where to invest it, you know, what's really, you know, going to give you a return on investment as well. So then you can turn around and do, you know, some of those amazing things that she talked about, like, you know, speaking at high schools and um, the scholarship fund, et cetera, having that clarity around money, I think is, is really what makes entrepreneurs more strategic and smart, I think, when it comes to their revenue. Um, So yeah, that's That's great. That's great. And I'm sure that you'll be fine. I'm not worried about you, Lauren. I think um, one of the things when it comes to, um, you know, uh, when you talk to like, you know, basically venture capitalists or, you know, people who make investments, they always say that they invest in the entrepreneur. They don't invest necessarily in the company. Like that's like secondary because they know that, you know, if you meet the right entrepreneur, they can build companies, multiple companies. And so, you know, the fact that, you know, you have built a successful brand in the past, you will build another one and you may build, you know, even more in the future. And so yeah, Thank totally totally not worried about you at all. And I'm sure that you will definitely get your return on investment. So
1: Well, thank you. I'm currently, this week is my last revisions of my book before it goes to the final proofreader and then off to the, to be designed. Um, and so I don't get to touch it after that. And I have spent the week just really asking myself, oh my God, is this ready? Is this ready to be put out into the world? Is this ready to, I've sunk all of my money into this project. Is this ready for me to let it go? and so hearing that you have faith in me hearing that people have faith in me is really helpful and i i also want to just kind of give some advice to myself and anyone else in that position that that published is better than perfect and that has been my mantra this week that getting something out there yes there are going to be so many flaws in this book and i'm going to spend all my money on a flawed book but a flawed book is better than no book and a flawed product is better than no product and um, I'm not saying you should jump too early, but when the time is right, jump. And like I said, that's advice I'm giving myself so I can listen to it as well. Um, but but I think that there's a lot of people out there who who wait until they have the money. They wait until they have the confidence. They wait until they have their job fixed or their life figured out. And And I just, I waited. I waited so long. And I want to tell people, don't wait. Just do not wait. Just do it. Do one little step if you have to towards that. Don't let money, especially don't let money, be the reason why you don't do what you do because there's so much free ways like body query bradshaw cost me absolutely nothing for years and so um think about all the ways that you can start and it cost you nothing but time yes and so how do
0: you stay so centered and grounded because as i'm talking to you cuz even as you have like all these different things kind of going on you know whether it's on your personal life or you know your business investments etc you sound really like grounded And so, what are some of the practices that you do to kind of keep you in that headspace?
1: So, if you had asked me that 10 months ago, I would have not been able to answer it. Um, To be even more transparent, 10 months ago, I was at rock bottom. The second anniversary of my brother's death came, and I felt like I had done, I had lost all of my, like, I didn't have any of the money I got anymore. I was unhappy. I hadn't re I thought I had dealt with it, but I hadn't really dealt with it, and I found myself just really at rock bottom and I had no I had no grounding. I had nothing. I was just swimming in this tsunami and I had no rock. And so I spent a long time trying to figure out what I was going to what my rock was going to be. And in my life the rock came from I wake up in the morning and before I get out of bed, before I do anything, I just lay kind of in the shavasana position. Um, and if for the people who don't know, that's the dead man's pose from yoga. And you you kind of lay on your back with your arms open. And I just lay there. And I just think, I just breathe. Sometimes I don't think, sometimes I don't need to do anything. And it, I like that because it starts my day, it grounds me without me having to do anything at all. I just have to lay there. So throughout the day, I have to, and just let whatever thoughts come just kind of wash over me and just allow myself to lay there. And then I usually have to get up and let my dog out because I have a puppy and um, he has to pee (laughs) and he likes to eat and I have to get up and do that. And then I, um, I have embraced magic. I've, I've embraced magic lately. When I hit that rock bottom, I, I asked myself, why can't I believe in myself? Why can't I believe in anything right now? I just had no belief in anything when you watch, Your younger brother who's otherwise healthy, die of cancer. How do you believe that there's any purpose in life ever again? It's really difficult to do. So I started forcing myself to believe in things. I went to shamanic drum circles and energy healers and I chanted with Hare Krishnas and I went to gospel churches and I went to Catholic mass and I I surrounded myself with believers And I didn't find God necessarily, but I kind of found this idea that belief was something I didn't have to be skeptical of anymore. And so every day I try to find something else to believe in and I try to push my ability to to believe. I had become such a skeptic that even talking about believing in myself and God and magic in the world around me and others, it felt So in life, in my ability to survive, I kept truly thinking I was going to die any minute like my brother had. And so every day I try to find something to believe in. And if I can believe in these things that I was skeptical of for so many years, maybe I could then believe in myself. And eventually I was able to really believe in myself. So I have altars and reminders all over my house of the things that I believe in. I have pictures of my friends, pictures of people who have gone uh, before me. I surround my home with pictures of women that that fictional and non that survived this world before me. And I ask for their wisdom whenever I'm feeling like I am stuck. And I really just spend a lot of time with my feet on the ground, reminding myself that I am that I am grounded. And um, I, when I when I first transitioned out 10 months ago, I felt like my life had just been a pile of shit on top of shit on top of shit. And every time I said it couldn't get worse, it did. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so I spent a lot of time instead of seeing it as shit, trying to envision it as compost and trying to envision the kind of tree that I wanted to be growing out of that. And really how deep those roots needed to grow before I could shoot upwards. And so really doing a lot of that visioning and that grounding and that talking to the muses around me and just being a believer in things and not being a skeptical and asking what would be so wrong if I believed that there was a God and that there were many gods and that there was magic around me and all of those things wanted me to be joyful and to be successful. And that's just kind of where it all came from, this idea of wanting to believe.
0: Wow, what a beautiful practice, uh, trying to find you. something every day to, to believe in. Because I do think that it's so easy to become skeptical, um, you know, of different things in, in life. And so, yeah, that's so that's so great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
1: I think as a queer person for a long time, all of anything that had to do with spirituality and religion was so anti-me and my rights that it was difficult for me to, to believe in something that could be anti-me. And then I had to realize that I could believe in something that was pro-me and um, I, I could shut out all those haters and just believe in myself. And that was a really, really profound moment.
0: Yeah, and so I also notice, um, because I Facebook stalk you, um, that oh, nice. you... I Facebook stalk you too. So I love my <laughs> and
1: your trips. And I love all of your new photos. If people are listening and they haven't seen your new photos, like, oh my gosh, I just wanna hang out with you in those photos.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And actually speaking of trips, I was actually going to comment about you seem to be traveling, you know, quite a bit. Um I don't know if it's with your sister or um, I'm not quite sure, but um, yeah, tell us like kind of about your recent travels, maybe the favorite place that you've been this year and like why you kind of prioritize traveling as an entrepreneur.
1: It's funny that you say that because I actually made a conscious decision in 2015 to not travel. Um, To not travel for work. 2014, every other month, I was gone for at least two weeks and traveling and speaking at different conferences. And when I went to New York, I made sure I also spoke in D.C. and did the whole thing. And I went to New York City five times in the year 2013. And 2014, I traveled all over the country. And 2015, I was like, I am not going to travel And so I think of myself as not having traveled much. Um, But what it is, is I decided to, I've always been a world traveler. I've lived all over the world. And I decided to instead, I moved back to Oregon where I love. And I decided instead to explore around me. And so I spent most of 2015 exploring some things that were within an hour or two hour drive of myself. And that felt so, and I I, am lucky to live in Eugene, Oregon, where there is much diversity around me. Um, As far as nature, but that felt so decadent and so luxurious to just explore my backyard and to find these amazing things that were right there, easily accessible to me. And it reminded me I i had always thought, okay, I have to have money to get abroad or I have to go abroad for a whole year and just to really think of exploration as near me and then my then um i hit wedding season and so all of these exploring that you're seeing they're actually visiting weddings i've been going to so many weddings um and my sister came and visited oregon so a lot of those trips and we we um we we weren't always friends my sister and i didn't get along until my brother died up until the, the days before he died we fought and we once he died we we really made a conscious decision and we tried beforehand, but we really made a conscious decision to accept each other for who they were and what they were and really listen and love each other. And it has been beautiful. And so we've, um, I lived near her. I lived 10 minutes away from her when I was, when my, after my brother died for two years. So it's been really hard for us. So we, we purposely try to travel and I make, we both make it a priority in our businesses and our lives to see each other and travel with each other. And one of those places was Alaska. And I have to say, if you can go to Alaska, oh my gosh, being in that giant, massive wilderness is just, it, it just does everything for me. <laughs> so if you are a wilderness person, I highly suggest making it to Alaska because I just spent a week there for my, um, one of my best friends moved up there and I officiated her wedding and just being in this place where human beings haven't destroyed it as much with our ideas of what matters, um, enables me to find out what really matters within myself as well. Wow.
0: Mm, I have to put Alaska on my list. I haven't been yet.
1: Mm, do it, do it. Yeah, if you want to go, let me know. I have lots of suggestions, and and I was there last summer with a partner at the time, um, and I really just found so much creativity opened up in me when I when I was just out in wilderness, and so I've been really trying to to be in wilderness more when I'm writing, especially. Because I can kind of let go of, okay, what will make what can I write that will make me money? And instead, I can, I can say, what will I write that will ground me more in this place that I'm at right now?
0: Yeah, you know, there's something about traveling to certain places that I know that I feel a lot more sensually, like, tapped in and grounded. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I feel more in touch with my body, more in touch, I think, spiritually as well. Um, And so I think a lot of these places that you've mentioned kind of have been, you know, definitely speaking to you. I'd be curious. I don't know if you'd be interested in this, but um, you'd actually create, you know, some sort of, you know, body love um, travel guide as well. Because like, Mm -hmm. honestly, like there's so many sacred spaces, especially in like um, kind of people's backyards that they might not even be aware of you know, as well. So you're like, you know, I drove a couple hours and I found, you know, my own kind of personal paradise. And I think that's something that people should do a lot more often and not feel like, okay, I have to get on a plane and drop, you know, $2,000 just to feel like I'm, you know, close to myself. So yeah, kudos to you for doing that.
1: Yeah, one of I love the idea of the body love travel guide. I one of the things I really want to do after body love, after I feel like I've fully invested in body love in the way it needs to be invested in, I want to do something like body life and talk about taking that I those ideas into the rest of your life. So how do you do it entrepreneurially? How do you do it when you travel? Um, But one of the things I talk about when I travel is we put all these expectations on what luxury is and um, on what we feel like we have to wait until we get an all expenses paid trip to Hawaii to really enjoy ourselves when the beach is only a couple hours away from me and I never go. Um, And I'll miss the beach. I'll be like, oh, I just want to go to Hawaii. And I'm like, well, the beach is two hours away. Just go to the beach. And I had a friend the other day who said, I was like, he was so upset with his life and feeling like his business was failing and he couldn't get anything he wanted out of his life. And he he said, I was like, well, what would you do if you were just going to do the thing that brought you the most joy? And he's like, I can't just hike, give up everything and hike the Pacific Crest Trail. And I was like, you live 10 minutes from the Pacific Crest Trail and you're telling me the Pacific Crest Trail is inaccessible because he had built this idea of hiking the PCT as something that he does for months and leaves his family behind where in reality he could just go and visit it and I think that so much of life and business and everything that we want is actually more accessible than we realize or than we give it credit for and we put up these obstacles like traveling I couldn't afford to travel okay so I'm going to travel around my neighborhood and so think about your business as well as that like what I can't afford to do all the things I want to do with my business right now but what can I do right now in where I am to get me there Love it. And
0: so tell us more. I know that you said the book is dropping, um, you know, this December 2015. Um, but you know, what else is, you know, kind of happening with Body Love? You know, anything else you have coming up that you want to share with the audience?
1: Yeah. I have my next retreat is in Portland, Oregon in this amazing art deco house that is just spectacular and kitschy in all the right ways. And that is February, the first weekend in February. And we only have six spots and three of those six are already taken. So I'm actually not really promoting this much. I'm just letting it word of mouth come. So if you are interested, um, you can email info at com, And I have the Body Love podcast and most excitingly, the book, um, it drops on December 1st, which is my 33rd birthday. And I'm really excited about having my book come out on my 33rd birthday. That makes me really happy.
0: What a great birthday present. And I know,
1: right. I was like, what can I give myself this year? And I was like a book I'm giving myself a book. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so great. And actually I had just started, um, reading, um, Elizabeth Gilbert just dropped a new book called big magic. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and I yeah. was listening to an interview with her Marie Forleo And she was talking about how, you know, she really tries to write for herself, um, you know, first before saying, OK, I'm writing to inspire the masses. And so I think it's really cool that, you know, you see this book as a gift to yourself, you know, um, as well. So, yeah, that's that's totally awesome and totally resonates with me, too.
1: One of the things that she did for her her book committed which was her memoir that came out after Eat Pray Love is she she wrote it for 12 people and she wrote those 12 people's names all over everything that had to do with the book to remind herself that she only needed to write it for these 12 people. And so I um, have a list in my room of the people that I only am writing for. And some of them are my clients, some of them are my friends, but mostly on top of that list is myself.
0: Yeah, keeping it small and intimate as well. I think mm-hmm. it helps you
1: focus and it takes the
0: pressure off like No needing to inspire the whole world, even if that is, you know, what you end up doing, which you'll
1: probably do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. But yeah, I agreed. It's impossible to talk to everybody. So why don't you talk to the people that you really want to talk to? Yeah, you're
0: truly inspiring and
1: bold, Lauren. Thank Um, you, as are you. I'm so, you know, it's it's actually really awe-inspiring to have somebody who inspires you tell you that you're inspiring. Yeah,
0: thank you. And yeah, I totally hope everyone check out body love at laurenmariefleming.com uh we'll link up the website in the show notes as well and thank you so much lauren for coming on the show thank
1: you so much for having me it's been an honor and thank you everyone for listening you
0: can subscribe to the ariel lauren show on itunes android platforms and youtube just follow the links on ArielLauren.com. but don't click off this episode just yet i always like to give a free gift discount or special offer away for every episode so hold on for a few seconds If you haven't heard, I've created a three-day vacation for entrepreneurs ready to increase their profits and take their businesses to the next level. Meet me at the five-star Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Brickle Key, Florida, and we'll spend three days creating a six-month strategy to increase your sales in your business. Go to arialauren.com backslash vacation to see all of the beautiful pictures of the hotel, view our sample work schedule, and all of the benefits of you working with me one-on-one for three days. Go now and book your getaway at arialauren.com backslash vacation.